listening to Girl Talk, a podcast for girls hosted by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Girls are go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. As the premier leadership organization for girls, Girl Scouts sets the standard. Girl Scouts is the girl expert, and in a world full of challenges, we're in Girl's Corner. Hi, everyone. I'm Hannah, and I'm here with Idell. Hey. And today we're welcoming Kalu Her to the podcast. Kalu works at Girl Scouts River Valleys as a Salesforce business analyst, keeping track of the systems and data that keep Girl Scouts going. Today she's joining us to talk about Hmong shamanism. Shamanism is a practice that focuses on health and balance in the body and soul and helping and healing individuals, families, and communities. We're excited to hear about Kalu's experience and how she's starting her own path to become a shaman. Kalu, welcome to Girl Talk. So excited to be here today. We're really excited you're here too. We're excited to talk to you and hear what you've got to say. So for this episode, like we said, we're really excited to hear about Kalu's specific experience. So this is something that we kind of intro a lot of our experience episodes with. We really like episodes like this because it kind of, not only do we get to have a great conversation about someone's experience, but it also models to girls and their friends and families how you can have these conversations. So in this case, we're speaking from our own experience and we're really focusing on Kalu's specific journey. So we're excited to hear about uh, your journey with Hmong shamanism, at least so far, because you're getting started. So that's kind of exciting too. Thanks for that, Hannah. It's, it's I think when Adele invited me, I was hoping to not be in the hot seat to know everything about shamanism. But, <laughs> uh, but thank you for framing it that way because these these will be my experiences and what I know. And I, I'm excited to share them. And I, I hope that uh, you can take something away from it today. Yeah, I'm really excited. Excellent. So we'll start with kind of an intro then. So for those of us who might not know a lot about it, can you kind of give us a little introduction into shamanism and its place in Hmong um, culture and communities? Yeah, definitely. So there's so there's the practice of animism and the practice of shamanism, and both of them kind of intersect really well together. Um, Hmong people have always had this belief, and this is the animism part speaking, the belief that all living things have a soul and that you have to respect it wherever you go, whenever you're in nature, whenever you're out fishing, whenever, you know, you are out um, walking about that you respect all things and then where shamanism comes is that it is the practice of healing and protecting family and community members and so sometimes when you know from 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 my experience and stories that i've heard if you're walking in nature and you happen to bump into a a spiritual soul out in nature your soul might get hung up around that area and so what a shaman can do is call your soul back and so they kind of intersect in that way where a shaman is able to help bring your soul back into your body, provide balance to your body, and heal you from potential illnesses that uh, might be kind of unknown to the physical um, science world. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I think like something maybe new that some of our viewers haven't really heard about, so or viewers, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, <laughs> something new that our listeners haven't heard about before. And one other thing about shamanism is that for shamans, there are many duties that they have. And so a shaman may have a specific skeleton and just healing, or they may couple it with blessings. So their expertise is in blessing. Some exercises demons, um, similar to a Catholic priest, you know, knowing how to exercise evil demons. Um, they also do cleansing and there can even be some mediums who are shamans. And so there's a variety of things that shamans can have specific skill sets on 
or duties as a shaman for a clan and a family. A lot of the time, um, shaman, the, the most common one is having this role as a shaman passed down um, from family to family through through lineage, I guess you can say. Um, and so it's passed from generation to generation and a family member is chosen to become a shaman. Um, that's the most common way to become a shaman. The But nowadays, that's kind of changed and evolved a bit where there are individuals who grow into learning about shaman and they choose to be a shaman. There are folks who are chosen by spirits to become shamans. And then some people are just born to be shamans. And so there are different ways that shamans and the practice of shaman has evolved through time. So when you're chosen by maybe your family, does somebody in your family know? Like, how do they choose you as opposed to like sort of feeling more of a calling for it? Yeah. So specifically, if I, I, this is just an example and I didn't want to use names while I was giving examples. If, if, um, if my grandpa was a shaman, he would be able to speak to this, the spirit in the spirit world. And he would be able to see and talk to spirits about who would be next in line to be a shaman. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they might not know right away. And so it might show up in different ways where a child might be really sick and doctors won't know what the, diagnosis is and so what Hmong families and Hmong communities would do is bring in a shaman to see what is going on and during that time you get identified the child may be identified as someone who is the carrier of the next person in line to be a shaman sometimes a family member might not be chosen until they are of age when they're adult adults because it does take discipline to become a shaman you can't just wake up one day and say hey i'm a shaman yeah. although sometimes <laughs> it does happen but you're still very human you know you're not uh because you're a shaman doesn't mean you're invincible to, mm-hmm. to things like covid or you know to bad things it just means that you have a uh, responsibility now and that you have to be disciplined enough to carry on that role to help and heal people in your experience so how did how did you sort of find out that you were going to begin your journey Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll, I, I will try to start from kind of the beginning, but not go into the weeds too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up in a, a household that went to church. And so for me, shamanism was kind of a mysterious thing. My parents never really talked about it, in which might have been for a good reason, because, you know, we're a minority group. And when you start talking about spirits to friends at school, I mean, a kid potentially be outed, you know, as an outcast. Um, and I can talk a little bit about that experience with my kids later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growing up, I, I didn't know about shamanism. I went to church. Um, I did see my dad do some some rituals at home while we were going to church, but because we're at the core of the home community, we still believe in animism, you know, because everything has a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he still did some things to help keep our house protected, but he wasn't a shaman. So when I discovered shamanism, it was around the time when I met my husband and we dated, we went out, we got married. And during this time, he was telling me that he was kind of in line to be the next shaman. He didn't want to do it. Um, it was <laughs> he didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. Um, a shaman. And it's, it's one that it's a position that's not revered highly enough. And it's one that doesn't come with material wealth. It is a hard and challenging road, but but the reward at the end of the day is 
that you're helping people. And it can be like a kind of a full-time job, right? Like it can yeah, be a lot exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like every weekend you're being called upon to help heal families in the community. And so when he told me this, you know, I honestly had no idea what he was talking about. I knew of the word. I knew of some of the things because I've you know, presented on pieces of bits and pieces of it. And so there I was I'm like, yeah, you know, I totally support you in this. Literally, little did I know that like, it was just this, this journey of like self-exploration and learning to love yourself and being pure at heart and doing things with integrity. And so uh, when he finally accepted kind of his duty or his role as a shaman, and this happened, let's say almost two years ago, I was still there with him, making sure that I supported him in all the things that he did, because this is a a journey that is walked alone, but you also need support. And so as I was with him, one the first thing he needed to do was to find a teacher or a master shaman to help him kind of um, learn the, the tricks of the trade, the ropes. And so while we were going through this process, we had an experience with a shaman that we had visited in hopes that he may have been the teacher for my husband. But during that visit, he had said that we are soulmate shamans. <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm totally here just to support him, right? And he didn't, you know, in, in some ways, like for the elders that I've experienced with, it's they usually don't go into details. And so we didn't find out until later when he found his teacher about what it actually meant. It means that our souls before we were, we, we are, before we were humans were shamans and we were a couple and that we were there for each other to support each other through um, this journey. And so the souls of these, this couple shaman has kind of reincarnated to us is now a part of us and so all things spiritual we do together will be kind of you know to protect our family to support each other and things will go well i'm like are you sure that's (laughs) a big thing to learn yeah about yourselves yeah and so and so we we learned about that i you know i i think i i took it kind of in a bit of a shock and i didn't think too much of it but some say that once you are identified as a potential shaman, things start happening. And so uh, shortly after that visit, I had like the most intense back pain ever. And I, I have chronic back pain, but this was to the point where like I woke up one morning and I just couldn't get out. Like I was crawling and in pain and I went to three doctors and they're like, oh, you just need PT. And I'm like, but I'm dying here. (laughs) (laughs) I I need something, you know, like I was to the point where like I couldn't take care of myself and my husband had to help me. And the doctors did CT scans and they did x-rays and they found nothing wrong. And, you know, after all of, all of my visits to the doctor, like that was expensive, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not working. Something has to happen. And so um, as my, during this time, as my husband was still searching for a teacher and I was taking like meds to ease the pain because that eventually slowly helped, but the pain was still there. My husband finally found a teacher and we went to her and we asked her what's going on. Can we do something about this? And she said that your spiritual door is open and you're not ready. And the timing is just not right. And so I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. And so um, she told us what we needed to do. We need to gather a few things, bring it to her. And she had 
a ritual for us. She helped close my door. She protected me from kind of this this pain mm-hmm. and, and the situation that I was in. And and I said, you know, I, I think the question around that for me was, I was in contemplation of, is this really a bad time for me to like not practice or be on my journey? You know, because the concern there was that if we had two people practicing in our family, and again, like the role of a shaman is very heavy. There's a lot of things that come with it. Mm-hmm. And if we had two shamans in the household, I don't think we would get anything done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have we have two kids. We both have jobs. At the time, he was like part-time. And so, and so I said, no, it just makes sense that I kind of close my spiritual door for now and I can revisit it when the time comes. And so she helped kind of move us along in that direction. And a few days later, the pain disappeared, which is like so, um, it's so fascinating for me because I've never experienced that sort of health issue before. Like I said, I have a chronic back pain, but, you know, not, 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 not like debilitating like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so for her to be able to help us on that route and for me to say, wow, this is it, you know, like mm-hmm. I have to change the way I think and have to be more disciplined about certain things. And so that's kind of where my journey kind of started and kind of didn't end, but is on hold. And so, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah. Did it make sense right away? Like, did you accept it right away that that's what was causing <laughs> your pain? Like, did you did you believe her before it went away? Like, did you? I don't know. I'm just yeah, I was like, I, I going was, through your mind. Bit, yeah, I was a bit skeptical. I was like, man, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to happen, you know, or this is going to work. You know, this has been going on for like three weeks and I can get it to go away. And but at the same time, like my husband was very invested in and the practice of shamanism and I've things that I've seen before this experience, you know, um, I did have an investment in it, but I think I was just kind of in that mindset of, you know, I need this go away and I need to kind of move on with my life. And so there was a bit of this and that, you know, like I believed in it, but I had my, my skepticism around, about, around it too. A totally different level, right? When it goes from yeah. being something you experience in your community to like being on you. Right? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And one thing I wanted to also mention was like when she said that like my husband my husband had to go first to take this journey and then um I had to kind of close my door for now. I, I was <laughs> almost up in arms about that because I was like, Hey, why does he get to go first? Right? Like, like I wanna do it, you know? <laughs> but then I realized that it made so much sense because he was he has been kind of in this position to really work on himself. And I've learned so much from his journey that I think will help me once I get to that point. And it, it fell into place correctly. And because I needed to take care of myself and I needed to take care of other things so that our family could keep going, his focus was to make sure that he was able to stand up on his own two feet when it came to shamanism. And so I wanted to be there for him. I wouldn't be able to be there for him I wouldn't be able to support him if both of us were being shamans at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It must be hard to balance like all the things that everybody has to do, like jobs, family, all of that stuff on top of having that journey and, and, and training and responsibility. Oh, totally. And, yeah. Totally. I, yeah. Like I mentioned, it's, it's not a, 
not a role that comes with material wealth. And you do it out of the goodness of your heart. You do it so that people can get better. You do it so that the community is tight-knit and that there's love and healing. And that a lot of times you don't get sleep, you know, because... Mm -hmm. but, but from what I've, you know, heard from a few shamans already is that sometimes some of that just doesn't click. And you just do it and it becomes kind of natural. And if you lose sleep, you'll make up with it um, in another way. But you get this energy the source of energy to keep going and keep helping and it doesn't really tire you out and so kind of in my state where I'm not a shaman yet for me just thinking about it is very tiring I mean I can't imagine being a shaman during the pandemic you know and you have two kids doing distance learning and you're <laughs> working through things at work and then you know you have two full-time parents and so there's a lot of stuff going on but you know as a shaman you're able to work through that and seek for blessings and protection and healing from your own sources of um, energy and spiritual guides to keep on healing and helping people. You're talking about family too and, and generational pieces as well. So beyond your husband, tell us about how shamanism kind of looks in your family and the role it plays. Yeah, I, I think in general, one thing that I had mentioned earlier was like shamans come in to help protect and bless you. They also help, for instance, help put up an altar for incoming rookie shamans, you know, apprentices were, you can say that. But my experience specifically with my family, though, it's always good to have a shaman when you're doing a spirit calling or a soul calling. But if you don't have one, a shaman in, in the family or you're it's not, or they're not accessible. You usually have a spiritual leader who's able to do the soul calling. Um, and that's when um, we have someone who may be sick or maybe experiencing, um, you know, kind of physical unknown health. They would come in and do a blessing and to protect the soul and to bring the soul back to the individual. Within my family in particular, I, I think one thing that I wanted to also bring up is that talking about shamanism isn't kind of normalized as I was growing up, you know, I, because for me personally, I didn't know what shamanism was as a child. I didn't know what questions to ask, but as, as I got older, I think I didn't know who to ask those questions. And as I started seeing, um, when I got married, what that looked like with kids in a, a household that still practice shamanism, started noticing that it's more about seeing than teaching the kid kids because because we run into this situation where if we if if I started in which I have done normalizing language around shamanism with my kids normalizing terms with my kids I want them to know what's going on I want them to know why dad has an altar in our house I want to know I want them to know why dad is doing these things and what we believe in but the other side of that sword is they run into uh, potential judgment um, mm -hmm. from their peers. And so I'd like to believe that a lot of the elders has chosen not to share kind of these terminology with, with kids because of that fear of being judged and criticized. Um, and so a lot of the time it's just like, I remember <laughs> like with anything, like, especially with my parents, like just watch and you'll learn, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so a lot of the times it's you, you sit there and you watch a shaman ritual or a ceremony and you learn what is going on. You, you could ask questions while it's happening or maybe after, but it's not always kind of the full detail. It's not going to be a novel that you can read into with an elders. And so you, 
continue to watch and learn and you go to numerous ceremonies. And so what I've experienced so far with, with my kids in particular, my, my oldest is, is quite a social bug and she loves talking to people. She loves making new friends. And I remember one time we were at the park and <laughs> there was a family there and it's one that we met a few times and it is a white family and there are two girls and um, one was about her age and she was talking to her about spirits. My daughter was talking to her about spirits and the little girl just did not understand what was going on. And um, <laughs> so she was saying something about how there are spirits, good and bad spirits. And then the little girl just kind of walked away. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's kind of sad. I, I, and so, I mean, they still play together, but I think the fact that she had brought up terms and a language that's very different to what people normally are adjusted to or used to. Mm-hmm. I talked to her afterwards how she felt about that and it, it didn't seem to bother her. But I think one thing that we are also trying to do, we don't want them to stop talking about it, but to also make sure that they're in a safe space when they're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's a huge thing as we're walking into kind of this new generation of shamans is that you are in a space where you're being supported whenever you're talking about these things because because it is an unknown to kind of the mainstream society Mm -hmm. i call it that for folks who don't know what shamanism is it might be a barbaric practice you know the shamanism is very relevant across different cultures but it's not seen as a traditional practice of religious healing and spiritual care and loving light and and love and so but there are similarities and so I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here but no that was good I think it's all it's all really relevant too I mean like thinking about surely there are Hmong girls listening who really relate to that experience too of like you know, finding the spaces where they can speak about something like this that's personal that a lot of people don't have experience with And I'm curious, uh, you know, you were talking a little bit about stereotypes or misconceptions that might exist around shamanism, both like in the Hmong community and outside of it. Can can you tell us a little bit about what those are and and how we can kind of break those down? Yeah, you know, like I said, growing up, I didn't know much about shamanism. And as I mentioned, I, I think if someone doesn't know what shamanism is, it might be a barbaric practice. I mean, Tell me what you think shamanism is. Like, literally, like, seriously, what do you think shamanism is? You know, from your knowledge of what shamanism is. Yeah, I honestly don't know much. And I know I, Idel had a conversation with you in advance, but I'm, I'm, I'm joining the conversation as a sort of in the listener's seat of like not really knowing much about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I, the only thing I would really connect it to is like stereotypes maybe around, you know, American Indian or Native American practices, I guess, like that, that's the only thing I can think of that I would have any experience with at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, and I was raised pretty agnostically in terms of religion. So not really serious in any kind of direction in terms of religion. So it is also a little bit like even just from a baseline, a little bit new or different for me to experience someone or a community that has a really strong connection to like a spiritual practice. So even beyond that, there's something kind of like different. I think there's just a lot of stereotypes like in sort of American culture at large about what what spirit means and like 
I think there's like a mix of what, kind of what you were saying, like stereotypes about it being barbaric or like really like not in line with modern values, I guess. But then also stereotypes on the flip side where there's almost like an intense interest from people who don't have the background of like, this sounds really cool and like special and I want to be a part of that because it's different. Do you know what I mean? Like almost, you know, idealizing it from the outsider perspective. This was a great question, Kalu. I'm glad you kind of turned it back on us because I think it's <laughs> yeah. a good thing to talk about. And I, you know, I did have my conversation with you before our interview. So I learned a little about from that and I've done a, a little bit of research. I actually found, I mean, my, so like coming into this, I had the same as Hannah. Like it's, it was very like American Indian indigenous people like that sort of side of shamanism and like very nature connected. And, and anytime I hear anything about that, I, I feel the same way that Hannah was just saying like, Oh, that's so cool. Like I love nature. It sounds so nice to be like healed from the inside, but I've never really done any research. You know, I grew up in a white community. We, I don't know. It, it all sounds very like interesting and wonderful to like heal and balance your body and soul. And, but I, I know that it comes with a whole set of history and family values and all kinds of background and stigma and stereotypes within your community and like within the Hmong community and outside. So I think this is, this is a really great conversation to have. I actually found a, a YouTube channel. I think her name is Tassie Yang. Do you know who she is? She, I don't know if she's like widely known, but she has this huge blog, like a video blog on YouTube about being like her journey being a shaman and then stopping practicing shamanism. And it was very interesting. I mean, she's talking to, she's not talking about shamanism. She's talking to other shamans. And it was just really interesting to see someone like in their 20s who lives in Minnesota just speaking from her experience. So that made me really excited to talk to you and. And I felt like I learned a lot from the 20 minutes I watched from her. Like I learned a ton. I subscribed to her channel so I can watch more of her videos. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> when I think to it, when I was speaking, it made me think as well that I think I've had a stereotype in my head that it was male centered. I don't I know why. I don't yeah. know where that came from. So it's interesting to, you know, talk to you from the perspective of a woman practicing, but then also Idell just saying that, you know, she found another person. You know what I mean? So like clearly it's not male centered, but like that has been my stereotype, I think. Oh, totally. I mean, I I'm there with you. I think when I first started learning about it, it was just, you know, a lot of men who were in that role. And I don't think it as I started, when I first started learning about during like my college years, like I don't ever, I don't think I've ever seen like a home woman shaman, even though there may have been some at the time. But it, it's it's interesting that you brought up the YouTube channel and, and your thoughts about it having been kind of a male role, because it, for me, it's fascinating because things have changed with technology and with this new era of shamans that people are trying to change Kind of the conversation around shamanism. I, when I was talking to my husband about this podcast, like, yeah, it's such a hot topic right now in our community, you know, because everyone's trying to learn what it's about. Some may claim to know more than others, and some are doing it to really help people get over whatever issues or situation they may have. And with all of these 
kind of medias, mediums or ways that people are sharing their knowledge about shamanism has really brought more young people in our community to learn more about it. So I'm wondering, so you're talking about how young people are like looking for more information and like exploring and and kind of accepting their path as shamans. I'm wondering, so I want to know, did it sort of skip a generation? Like, so, so like Minnesota and Wisconsin have, have big monk communities. Like there's not, I don't know, there's not monk communities in cities all over, but I know here in the Twin Cities and, and in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, like a lot of people immigrated from Laos to here and like adopted Christianity. And so was that sort of a thing? Like, did people stop practicing shamanism? And then now younger people are like, oh, like this actually makes a ton of sense. Let's figure this out. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And from from my knowledge and my experience, I think once more people immigrated, you still have like a spiritual leader, spiritual guide that was in the clan or in the family that was able to kind of hold on to those, that, that role. And so the way they practice shamanism is very different from how some of the new shamans are practicing. Another stereotype potentially that people might, that I've certainly thought about and I think others have as well, is like sort of kind of this idea that certain religions or spiritual practices are ancient and haven't Mm -hmm. changed or adjusted or evolved at all since forever ago, basically, and they're practiced almost the exact same way. And what you're kind of speaking to is that that's not true, right? That that these are living uh, spiritual practices. So like things change over time and people adapt. And, and of course, if you're, you know, moving to a completely new country with a completely different kind of culture or, you know, you know, generations just grow up with different experiences, different education, educational background, different technology, different, all of those things then of course there's going to be kind of some of that evolution. So I, I like you kind of speaking to that, like this is a sort of evolving, continually evolving thing and not necessarily something um, that's been done the same way forever. As you're talking, I realized that the gap that you're talking about is because a lot of our young adults were relying on elders to continue the practice. And so there was a gap for a, for a while because like my husband, um, and I, like my husband, he didn't want to do it. Like yeah. it wasn't a thing. Like he had other worries, you know. He had to go to school. He had to look cool. He, you know, right? Energy. Yeah, exactly. All these things that like a budding teenager, young adult would want to do, you know, because there were different values once we were in America, and the things that they, that we learned at school, the things that our society normalizes for us was not becoming a shaman is not helping heal people that was just weird and different and boring but that's why I said it takes just so much discipline to become a shaman and being able to accept that role and being able to accept criticism and judgment as you walk into this role because as, as a teenager in you know well, most cultures especially this one you are working with so many forces against yeah. you you know you have to be a certain weight you have to look a certain way you have to have so many friends you have to be on social media you have to know how to use tiktok i mean all these little things <laughs> there's so much pressure and then you're also seen as being different like right yeah on top right. of all that having to deal with yeah that. 
Exactly. And so um, that role is not read- readily accepted, but I see that changing as some shamans, like the, the young woman who you referenced, as they're starting to use platforms to teach people mm-hmm. and make it a more normalized thing. And so I see that as a positive, that there are starting to be spaces where we can talk about and be supportive but not feel like the odd one out. Yeah. I think we're just also in a time where especially young people are wanting to learn more about each other's cultures and be like, feel more connected and feel more global together. You know, it's not, it doesn't need to be so separate. Like I think we're all, and especially like girls and young people are, are just feeling like they're allowed to be more curious and, and there there's all these public platforms and, while those public platforms can also do scary things and bad things and make people feel bad about themselves, there's also all this access. We've talked about that in other episodes where there's a lot of access to what you're looking for, whether you thought you were looking for it or not. Um, and we can all learn about each other and and feel that connection and not, not be so judgmental. Yeah, totally. And to bring it back to kind of that role being held mostly by men, like, one thing that my husband and I have seen so far is the increase of women shaman lately. You know, I, the, at least so far with the interactions I've had and the experience I've had, his, his teacher is a woman. I've, you know, seen a lot of Hmong women shamans in my, in my current experience as well. And so I think that's also very hopeful and very encouraging for maybe young girls who may want to do more research on it or learn more about it because it's not just the male role that has originally been seen that way. That's really great. This is kind of a perfect way to sort of wrap wrap it kind of up, which is that, you know, we're talking about these stereotypes that exist and just like some barriers to learning about it or just how things have changed. So what would you say to Hmong girls who are experiencing those stereotypes or are interested in it? Kind of what is your sort of advice to them as they're, uh, kind of navigating all of these like intercultural pieces. Yeah, definitely. I say find find a wise person, either it be your parent or your caregiver, your troop leader, to help you find a space that's safe to talk about it, to find a group that can help support you in kind of these things that you're questioning, because that's the best way to learn. A lot of times judgment and criticism comes from things that we don't know, um, the unknown. And so if you experience it for yourself, you have to make kind of additional, you have to take additional steps to learn and ask more questions. And so it's this constant like journey to learn more. Even to this day, I'm still learning more about this path. You know, you think you know something pretty well and then you learn something the next day about it. And so I'd say seek out a wise person if you are unsure. I, I, I like using that term because at my kids' school, they don't always say seek out your parent or because a wise person can be a teacher, they can be a caregiver, they can be a grandparent, um, someone who you trust, someone who loves you, someone who you, you love back. And then just knowing that shamanism is just, again, one of those things that is evolving and changing and that the core of it is that to be a, a shaman that can heal people, you have to learn to love yourself and you have to really have discipline to love others and give and heal because it is time consuming. I bring this up again and again that it is not a role that will bring you material wealth, but 
it will bring you kind of that spiritual wealth that most people don't really look for. Wow, that's a great kind of takeaway. Nice way to sort of wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This has been a great conversation. And I think we've learned a lot. And I'm, I'm hoping that our listeners will hear this and and learn a lot and maybe do some more research and just kind of learn more about it so we can kind of stop those stereotypes and and learn more about it, especially if you live in Minnesota and Wisconsin and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is part of your community, even if you're not in that community, you know, you go to school with people who are among, you live in neighborhoods with people who are among. So like knowing more about this, I think is really positive. So thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Totally. This has been fun and um, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) Me too. I love listening to our episodes. I learned something new. I feel like every time I listen to any of our episodes, I know I was there. So (laughs) it's like, oh yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. It was really great to talk about this with you, Kalu. And so now I think since we're kind of wrapping up our conversation, we're going to move into our fun closing segment that we always do. Would completely you unrelated co- closing segment. <laughs> completely unrelated, fun closing segment. As always, the question is a secret and Hannah has not heard it and I just picked it. So I haven't even had time to think about it. <laughs> All right. So our would you rather for today, would you rather be an amazing artist, but not be able to see any of the art you created or be an amazing musician, but not be able to hear any of the music that you create? It's kind of a deep one. That's tough. Okay, I think I have my answer. Um, I'm always like, ooh, that's tough. But then I'm always the first person to go. (laughs) I think that I would pick to be an amazing musician who couldn't listen to my music. I think because I'm a visual person. So I think it would be really difficult for me to make something and then not be able to like see it or like experience it for myself visually. So I think being able to create music that was really cool. It would be cool to share that with people, even if you couldn't hear it yourself for me. And then and then since I'm a visual person, I would still be able to see artwork that I make. <laughs> so you kind of get the both the best of both worlds. You get yeah. yeah, people can enjoy your amazing music, but you get to enjoy your own art. What do you think, Lou? Do you have your answer? I think I'm trying to find a, a loophole in this. <laughs> <laughs> We're always looking for loopholes. It's my job to shut them down. <laughs> so I was going to say I would love to be an amazing artist and not be able to see my art, which is fine because maybe this is another loophole. But I I think the idea for me, it's music or art. I think it's always for me, if I'm able to share what I've created and be able to let it go into kind of the wind, I'm okay with that as long as it makes the world a better place. One thing that I was kind of teaching my 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 daughter the other day, we were building Legos and she was a bit of a she's she's very protective of her buildings and we needed some pieces to create new things. Mm-hmm. And so I said sometimes you have to recreate things and you have to let things go um so that other people can enjoy the art that you've created. What a great um, Lego lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so maybe I didn't find a loophole, but the idea is that I don't hold on to a beautiful creation and that I'd be able to share it with the world no matter what. I love that. What a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good example. All right. So I'm going to pick, I would rather be 
a great artist and never be able to see my creations because I do, I think it would be amazing to, you know, put something out in the world, even if I can't see it. But my real reason is because I love music and I, I've always, so if the question was like, would you rather be an amazing artist or an amazing musician, period, I would pick musician. Cause I think if I could be an incredible musician and do that for a living, that would be my dream. But I've always been just a sort of good musician because I don't like homework and practicing ends up being like homework. <laughs> so I only <laughs> like to play when I want to play. But so I play guitar and that's like my major stress reliever is like playing and singing and just for myself. And I think if I if I was this amazing musician, but I couldn't hear myself and had no idea what I was creating, it would take that whole piece away from me. So, but I've never been able to draw or paint or do any sort of like visual creation. So I think if that, if that was my gift and everyone else could see it, I wouldn't be missing out on anything. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I would pick. That's an inter. That was an interesting one. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. Different than yeah. ones we've done before. Uh-huh. You know. I think it was good good for this conversation. So for sure. All right. Well thanks, Kalu. This was amazing. Awesome. We appreciate you you joining us. And yes. uh, now it's time for girls pick. Hi, my name is Momo and I'm in tenth grade and these are my top picks. My favorite restaurant is Ramen Station because they literally have the best ramen there. And then Taeho is an amazing restaurant because of their pho. And then there's Tokyo Sushi. I don't eat sushi, but they have the best green tea ice cream there, and I go there for the dumplings, too. Girl Talk is brought to you by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Our host is Hannah Gilbert. The show is produced by Adele Erickson and edited by Sarah Mikatel. For more about the podcast and our team, go to girltalk.girlscoutsrv.org. See you next time.